Hey guys, welcome to You Chat Too Much podcast. This is a podcast where two international teachers, Joe and Madge, discuss various topics with the help of interesting and amazing guests each week. Enjoy the episode. Uh, welcome back to You Chat Too Much. This is episode six, and today we're talking everything everything about youth sport, um, our views on physical activity, um, and kind of how it how it's uh, what type of direction it's heading in. Um, we have got a, a returning guest, which I'm happy to see back. Uh, I was actually thinking, Madge, earlier, do we start, when people return, do we start saying a friend of the podcast? Can we start saying things like that? Well, I think that's got to be a minimum of three episodes before we call them <laughs> friends. Before a friend. Yeah. But yeah, welcome back, Lane. How's things? All good, guys. All good. Glad to be back on. Nice stuff. Um, Madge, how are you today as well? Yeah, all good, mate. Just uh, recovering from COVID. I, I listened back to the episode last week and I was coughing all over it and yeah, had my ill voice. But yeah, back back on it. We're doing all good. I sent uh, Lane, I sent Madge a message just offline and I said, just when you think about coughing, just mute yourself. And he was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and then proceeded to cough about three or four more times during the episode. He just lent away from his microphone but it was such a big cough it still was ricocheting through anyway um i know i know shocking so lane we've we've switched it up a little bit we've got some uh questions at the start and some questions at the end as well for you so um first question for me is what would your sh- superpower be and why yeah, i thought about this the other day when i was listening to some one of the other episodes and it was uh it's a bit of a i'm not really into stuff like that uh <laughs> but i think i probably would go time travel yeah just so i could go back and have certain conversations with certain people uh who were close to me and i don't know like world leaders and stuff i'd like to sit down and have conversations with people like bob marley uh hitler Funnily enough, me and my mistress <laughs> was talking about this the other day. I said, no, I'd like to have a conversation with him just to get his actual point rather than his sort of his madman point, what he was doing. Yeah. But Is that any, just, pa- just any particular and... era that you'd want to go back to? If you had uh, to choose one? Yeah, probably like 50s, 60s. Maybe early 70s as well. And then mm. if we were going really back in the day, it'd be like Victorian times. Not sure they'd want to talk to me much though. <laughs> my accent might be a bit. My accent might be a bit different for them. Yeah. Especially if you rocked up in like a, you know, your blue hoodie that you wear in there, that would completely <laughs> throw people off, wouldn't it? Like you know. Yeah. Uh, next question, then. What would your last meal be? This was easy. My mum's Saturday soup, the Jamaican Saturday soup, hundred percent. What's it called? Saturday soup. Oh, that's original. Well, if you have it on a different day. Still called Saturday, Saturday soup. soup, is it? Oh, Saturday soup, Saturday soup eating on a Wednesday. It's <laughs> right, nice. called. <laughs> oh, so what's in the soup? What, what's so special about it? It's, it's just like chicken, uh, potatoes, 
carrots, dumplings, loads of like what we call hard food, so like earthy foods, like potatoes, but different types. So you have like, I don't know if you've ever had, a, have you ever had a savoury banana? Call it a green banana. It's not sweet yams. like that. It's, not yams, what they call? No, yam. There is yam as well, the yeah. sweet potato and stuff like that. It's just it's basically a big stew. It's like a really thin soup, but whereas if you had like a I don't know carrot and coriander, everything would be really like blended up and would be really mm. pureed. But with this, you've got like big blocks of like whole pieces of chicken and big like a whole potato in it and stuff like that. it's like a yeah it's like a big stew but yeah it's, yeah it's unreal love it love it all right final question for me then is which celebrity and you've kind of touched on this but which celebrity would you like to meet and why two uh one just for everything would be bob marley which is what what i said earlier but I think for where I am in life now and just to keep in line with what we're going to talk about today, it probably would be Arsene Wenger just to talk ah. about life and football and coaching and managing players and young players and stuff like that. Did yeah. you watch his documentary, the movie? No, I didn't even know it was out. Well, he's, yeah, he's come out this year. No, like, it's come out in the past six months. Did you watch it? No, I didn't. It's called it Invincible or something. It's called something like that. Oh, of that era when they yeah. were unbeaten, you mean? Yeah, but it's about him. It's about him, like where he started and uh, where he's ended up, and it's interesting what his thoughts are about Arsenal and his regrets about not managing more teams and staying too loyal to Arsenal as well. Which is kind of sad as well to see how how he is after leaving Arsenal as well, and like how he can't go back to the stadium. Hmm. Yeah, he's not like Fergie, is he? he? Doesn't you never see him in the you never see him at the club anymore or anything right, like sad. that? Fergie's obviously. Massively still a part of Manchester United, isn't he? Yeah, he said he okay, was let's say. Uh... What's that? He said he was going to stay away for a number of years before he went back, just to sort of. As soon as he comes back, the game and everything becomes about him, then, doesn't it? Mm. And he mm. don't, he didn't, he didn't want that. Yeah. Okay, let's make a start then. So, our question today is is, is youth sport as we know it? heading in the right direction so is youth sport heading in the right direction so Madge do you want to start us off with this with your initial response what what do you think about this question and what do you kind of hope from this episode I'm going to deflect it straight away uh, I feel a little bit disconnected with this question I'm going to go straight to Lane because I think he's uh, with his role Lane actually explain explain your role people who haven't listened to you before um, and then that'll give better context and then you answer that question and then I think we'll take it from there one of my roles is uh, away from my uh, normal day job. Uh, I'm a academy scout for Sheffield United. So go out and watch football games at the weekend and hopefully find the next next kid to join our roster, uh, which is fun. But I also, which is probably a bit more of my time, is I'm a volunteer coach slash manager for Junior Blades grassroots football teams. Uh, so, yeah, just coaching kids, managing them through games and hopefully helping them not be little you-know-whats on, on the estate and keep them out of trouble and stuff like that. It's more than just the coaching. So the question then, is youth sport, as we know it, heading in the right direction? On the whole, I think so, yeah. I think there's a lot more acceptance of uh, people from different backgrounds and uh, certainly a lot more females getting into sport getting into sport not just I think majority of my opinion will be on around football and grassroots football but 
just like my nieces and stuff who have started secondary school, they've tried lots of different sports that they like and they said there's girls teams for almost every boys team at, at school. So I think that can be seen as nothing but a plus. Uh, so, yeah, I think it is headed in di- the right direction. There's still, we still do have a, a lot of work to do. To what's, have... what's different to when you used to play and to what it is now? Because that's, that's the bit I'm missing. I just don't have a clue what, what there is now compared to before. Well, from me playing football from primary school, I never actually played for a team until I was about 13, but I always played for school, primary school, secondary school, and, and throughout. Uh, I only ever saw one girl compete again, like within a boys team, but I see that much more regular now. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, uh, as they get older, it does tend to change. Like from like six up to about eleven, twelve, they sort of just play with the boys as as just part of the team. But then, as I think as they start hitting puberty and stuff, the girls tend to go towards their own uh, sort of girls teams, but. I have still seen girls competing in boys teams at under 15 level and stuff. So I think that's that's good. Uh, I think there's a lot more, although the clubs in like youth clubs and stuff like that, there's a lot more access to different sports now, certainly through schools. I, mean, I was talking to uh, my son's, when my son was at Sheffield United, one of his coaches, he's a PE teacher at one of the local schools and he, he was telling me some of the stuff they do. They, they take the kids to play golf and stuff like that and it was never nothing like that when we was kids. And I think I think the, the probably most, I want to say affluent sport we played as a kid was, was tennis, I think. You know? And I think that's just because the local park, although the tennis court was concrete and the nets had holes in, like big holes, not normal holes. Before Magic jumps in with his facetious <laughs> self, uh, they had rips in. Uh, yeah, we, we we could play tennis, but other than that, it was literally football, basketball, just anything you could just do with, like just a ball, or you didn't need much equipment because not not all families can afford it, can they? And I just mm. think there's a lot more access to more sports now, so that is good because you could find like a kid who's the next I don't know Lewis Hamilton or Tiger Woods, but. The, the parents can't afford to buy them a set of golf clubs or can't afford to get them a, a, a go-kart or, or whatnot. So, yeah, I think, I think there is a lot of access now. I think, you, um, yeah, well, I was just kind of thinking again of, of like my experience of sport and, you know, I, I kind of, I didn't really do big academy stuff or anything. I always remember like um, Robert Fleck. You remember that guy from Norwich City? Um, Robert Fleck had like a, a a kind of summer camp thing that I went to um, and Darren Eady as well I think his name was Darren Eady or Darren yeah, I think it was Darren Eady but Norwich players and I remember going to one of their summer camps and then I remember my mum and dad getting approached about like you know oh, does, does Joe want to come along on a Sunday and it was like a kind of I don't even know whether it was the academy or whether it was like a centre of excellence or equivalent um, and I just remember like my mum and dad, we kind of went to church on a Sunday and they were like, oh, we're kind of busy on a Sunday, but maybe in the week. But then like in the week I did other things as well. So it was just about kind of fitting in because I do, you know, you do see that and you see that with like the, when you see the professional athlete documentaries about just like how much time parents are just like running around, taking the kids to sessions in the week, taking the kids to fixtures on a weekend. So, I mean, I didn't really do that, but yeah, I played for sports teams on a Saturday. Um, and then when I went to high school, 
we pretty much just did football basketball um we were like a city school so we had loads of basketball courts and then we had to go off-site to use football fields and that was like really i kind of feel like that was like my only sport and experience in pe um and it was only when i got to gcse um and a level where we started to play some other sports just with a few different teachers coming in and and kind of opened my eyes a bit and i i remember you remember Sainsbury's used to do those vouchers for like sport for school. I remember that was like one of the first times we got like a load of um, like hockey equipment and we were playing like indoor hockey and um, tennis. And, you know, I remember we got like a massive load of these like tennis rackets doing loads of short tennis in the sports hall. And again, that that's like, for me, that was the start of like trying other sports. But before that, you only do the sports that you're exposed to or that your friends do or that you have access to, don't you? Um, so you don't really find out whether you're good at anything. Um, like you said, Lane, like how are you meant to find out if you've never done it before? Um, and I think that's the one thing, if we think about what we do now, imagine PE, we, we do still offer football and basketball and volleyball, the kind of core sports, but... I try, I try stay away from them as much, and I try do like we try offer things like handball and cricket and um, you know anything that we can really that is maybe a little bit different just to just to expose them to it. Um, and I always wish like I'd had more opportunity in school to to try different sports just to kind of get a feel for it. What do you think, Madge? Um, yes, uh, my my experience is very limited. When I was younger, to be honest, um, I was only playing with friends, really. Uh, I did play for a school football team in year 10, and I think that was only one season. I wasn't really into football up until that age, and then I used to play cricket a lot. And cricket was just... My um, player started playing properly when I was 13 in the team, and that was just getting the bus to the, to the cricket club and then someone picking you up and taking you to the games. But that was just turn up and play. It wasn't There was no training, no development at all. Um, I never really did. I just turned up and played cricket pretty much. Yeah, the whole time I have played cricket. Uh, I did start playing football at the age of 16, which is quite late. Uh, there was like a, I talked I talked to her about, I talked about her before, Sheila, who like set up the football team through Sheffield Wednesday. And that was like funding. And that was like in our area. That was like one of the first things, uh, times that happened. And then my team just folded after the age of 16 and I got into a bit of coaching. And I think the only thing that really that I did do properly was uh, tie boxing. And that was from the age of 12, 13. And I went to the juniors until 14. And then I was too big for juniors. And they put me in the men's. And that's when I got hammered for about two, three years with the head contact. Just couldn't get used to it. So, um, yeah. And to be honest, I've not really had any of that, you know, the experience with schools or teams. I've kind of had that all later on in my life. Not, not during that time. And then just going into like his youth sport heading in the right direction, just give a little bit of context. Like I've been away from the UK for 10 years and so I feel a little bit clueless of what's going on there. But I don't think from what I see in the international scene, I don't think youth sport is going towards the right direction because, um, and what, what do we mean by right direction? I, I personally think right direction is <clears throat> trying to get these guys just being active and using that sport for life rather than I don't see it as um, trying to find that one percent or that person who's going to be a professional. The problem I see in these this is probably because it's international and also we teach very privileged kids. 
is that they go to these academies which are uh, like in, in you know in, in Egypt they were like Liverpool Academy, Real Madrid Academy and it's like yeah you're, you're training with these guys and you get you get to wear the kit and it gives you some sort of like pride and some you know credit but I remember there was one situation where we had to pick uh, uh, an under 13 team in Egypt and we had like 100 kids try out for the for the for the team and we can only pick like about 20 kids or something and one of the mothers came to me the next day and said how can you not pick my kid he goes to Liverpool Academy and I was like well it doesn't mean anything you don't get selected for Liverpool Academy it's the fact that you compare for it that's why you're in there um, so <clears throat> before I come to Elaine that that's what I see is that a lot of it is paid privilege sport um, and it's not there's no there's no grassroots in Malaysia uh, there's hardly any grassroots that you hear about um, <clears throat> Yeah, I'll, I'll let Lane jump in now. I, I think it depends when we say sport. We've got to... It's quite a wide topic, isn't it? So it depends what sports we're talking about. So there are certain sports that have progressed, like what I was saying, saying before about there's a lot more access to it through schools and different backgrounds and different people have got access to sport that maybe didn't have it before. But even if we look at elite level... England or Great Britain at the Olympics, we only really win gold medals in like affluent sports. Hmm. Do you get what I mean? We, do, we don't, and that's just because a lot of other countries can't afford to do show jumping and rowing and do, do you know what I mean? Things like that because they, they, they don't have access to it. So I think it's quite a, it is quite a broad question and without diving down into the specifics, it's going to be quite difficult for us to answer but I do, I do think on the whole, the sports that I am sort of in and around, I think they are headed in a better direction. But just to go on your point about what you were saying, that selecting the, the teams, I've been in a situation where kids are trialling for like schoolboy teams or whatnot. And usually if you're in a, an academy, like an actual academy, like playing for Sheffield Wednesday, Sheffield United, Doncaster, Rotherham, you can't play for a grassroots team, but you can play for your schoolboys team. And I've seen where schoolboys have, have turned up. Some of them have turned up in their academy tracksuits. Some of them haven't. And the coaches have actually told kids who are actually at the academy, come in your academy tracksuit next week. And I don't think that's right. But that I think that's quite old school because I think that just makes their job easy. Because they go, oh, he's in academy. Like you've just said, oh, oh my, my son's at, at Liverpool Academy. How can you not pick him? So for them, oh, yeah, little Johnny's made a mistake, but he's at Sheffield Wednesday, so he must be good. So we'll ignore that mistake. Do you get what I mean? And I've seen that mm -hmm. happen with my own two eyes. And I think that is still within, that's still within the game. But I just think that's because people are still coaching now. We're still quite old school. And I think stuff like that will start, start to die out. As there's, a, there's a lot more, certainly around football in in, a, in Sheffield and there's a lot more sort of what they call private academies but like me and you Magic could start an academy and we'd just be coaching and we'd play friendlies and stuff and then basically our teams would play how we want them to play so it wouldn't necessarily be about results it could be about I don't know learning teaching these kids how to play the game how to be better people whatever we wanted and I think there's a lot more of that coming, coming in and around certainly football now so yeah, like I said, I think it's a bit well, quite then a I think it's interesting to kind of then define what is right direction. So for each of you, what I've just said, right direction for me is uh, being able to like play sport for life. 
uh, Lane, what would you say right direction is for you when, when that question is asked? For the right direction for me is for it to be as inclusive as possible. I think that that's my that's my interpretation of it. Hmm. How about you, Joe? I think I I quite like how Lane. I th- I like how you're trying to dissect the actual question a bit though as well because we are saying like youth sport. Initially, when I think of youth sport, I do think of like organised sport, um, which is more related to like you know academies or um, you know after school weekend stuff. Um, but I mean, if we're talking about like activity levels, and we taught, and you know, Madge has added a load of stats about activity levels. I do think, I do think we are moving in the right direction related to like kids being more active, or generally the like you know everyone being a little bit more active, and I think we're seeing that with, you know, when you when you look at the gender split, obviously boys are generally more active than girls, but I think you're seeing more and more girls getting active due to the fact that there is more accessible sports and there's more things to do um, and there's more role models and there's there's more females doing it um, because, you know, prior to, you know, I'm trying to think of like prior to, um, you know, Serena and Venus, it's like what other main females were like just dominating and girls looking up to, you know, in terms of like eras going through, it's like now there's way more in different, you know, different sports. But there's obviously still like a massive split when it gets to the top and a massive uh, uh, difference between like pay and um, advertising media. And that and that's something that's obviously we struggle to control, but we do control like what we offer as like teachers, Madge, what we offer kids and what we do in our lessons and what we do related to like how we act and respond to kids. And Lane, I'm sure that's what, you know, when you're having chats with kids, whether you pick them or don't pick them, when you're coaching, when you're talking in, in your coaching sessions, how you act with them is a big part of it. Because if you have a good experience playing football or good experience swimming or whatever else, playing tennis, then you're going to go back again. But if you have a rubbish experience, that, that might be the end of that sport and maybe even trying more sports. And that's, that's the bit which we, I think we have to kind of make sure we really watch. Because the like you say, the old school coaches, that can that can completely ruin a, a, a child or, or whether they actually want to go back or not because that's we've got to create those positive experiences. See, that that might... This is another question. Lynn probably could answer this as well. Like, My issue is when, when with youth sport is generally, and I'm very I'm generalising big time here, but generally when people realise they're not going to make it to a certain standard or not become professional they just stop that's what i've generally seen right so footballers age 15 16 get dropped from an academy any sport to be honest even like i've got kids we've got kids in our school who are like play national level tennis <clears throat> and compete internationally for golf what happens when they don't make it they just stop playing because for them or from from wherever this is where lane could probably come in where does it come from that the sport can only be played if you're going to make it. And why initially when you play a sport, you play it for fun. You play it for the right reason generally, right? That's my problem that I have is that I think youth sport is like that. It, it looks like that for me, from me, from the outside anyway. And, and, and I know that I've been away from it for 10 years from the UK. 
But even talking about what I see here, it is very much like that. Like if you're not in these international tournaments, you're not getting scouted, you're not getting some sort of trial or anything. And if you don't make it, you just drop off. And when they drop off, that's when activity levels completely drop off, right? I'm sure the numbers will will determine that. So what do you think to that, Lynn? But there's there's two two bits to this. Uh, first, I was just having a quick look through the stats, and I think where I sort of agree with what you're saying is in is sport as a whole heading in the right direction. You'd say no. I think the stats are only showing as organised sports, like what Joe said. I don't think kids are generally as active as they was when we was kids. We was out from dusk till dawn. You only came in for your dinner. You shoved it down your face, and then you was back out again. That doesn't happen for lots of different reasons. That's not sports' fault, but that doesn't happen. So I don't think kids are as active as they were or as we were, but I do think there are more organised sports, so that's why the stats are there, if you get what, if, if that makes sense. Mm, yeah. Now, mm-hmm. with regards to what you're saying about dropping off, I think, personally, that comes within uh, the family the family or your home life because mm-hmm. example of when when my son's played it's been at Sheffield Wednesday he's been at Sheffield United he's never actually played for the elite academy but he's been in and around the teams and stuff but I've always told my team my son's always been part of my team that I coach we enjoy it first but that's me not every coach is is like that not every parent is like that so when my son's saying he doesn't want to go to Sheffield United training I'm saying I'm not going to make you go if you do want to, you tell me you want to play football. If you want to be a footballer, then you need to make sure you're going to training. You need to make sure once your schoolwork's done, you're outside practicing kick-ups and doing stuff like that. But I wouldn't make him go. I think the problem is, certainly in the UK, we've got what, what I call an X-factor culture. Everyone wants to get rich quick. So if they can have what's now called Project Mbappe, they've got kids playing football from 18 months old because mm-hmm. they want that kid to be the next £100 million player so mum and dad don't have to work by the time they're 30. Do you, do you know what I mean? I like think that's investment. where... Yeah, yeah that, that is a, that's a problem. That's a problem within our society now. That sort of... It's in line with what you're saying about why kids drop off because kids have been... I've seen it myself and I'm talking at young ages. I've seen it where... I My lad's been in a team with, with other kids... And they've had pretty much the same experience. But I've not taken from when the coach has said to me, oh, he's done well tonight, or or he reminds me a little bit of Patrick Vieira and stuff because he's got gangly legs and whatnot. I take that as, okay, yeah, but he's eight-year-old, so we go again. Do you know what I mean? And he's got to keep improving. But I've seen the same coaches say similar things about other kids to their parents saying, oh, yeah, he must really like him. And then when both of our lads get released, I've had a... A, a genuine conversation with the coaches about this is what he's good at, this is what he needs to work on, but as you do. And I've come away feeling happy, even though I'm not happy that my son's got released, but I'm kind of like, well, yeah, okay, fair enough. I'm grateful for the opportunity and all that kind of stuff. But other parents have come away going, oh, well, he told me my son was the next Patrick Vieira and then he's released him six months later. That was just your interpretation of what he'd said. You, mm-hmm. you didn't, you, do you get what I mean? And I think that's, and then you see it, Every time you go to a football game, whether it's grassroots, academy, you'll be able to you'll be able to pick them out. There'll be a dad or a mum sat in the car pointing at the kid after the game. You should have done this and you should have done that. I've done it myself, so I'm not judging. But that's a problem as well. And that's where it's no longer just about enjoying it. Do, do you get what I mean? And I think that 
we've got to have kids have just got to enjoy playing sport but then you have to have some sort of what you'd call crazy driven mindset to be an elite or to be one of the best in the world so it's what you want it's whether you want your kids to be happy or whether you want your kids to be number one in the world hopefully they can be both i think uh I, i remember like when i was doing just before i went out to egypt i did my level two football um certification and my coaching and i remember i had to to go and log a load of hours um because i was i was teaching um but i i wasn't like at a club and it wasn't necessarily something that i really wanted to do because obviously at amateur level um you know you i think you have to have like a real passion for it and you know lane you'll understand this you you're not just a coach it's not like you rock up and you just like coach kids you're rocking up and you're setting up pitches you're organizing pitches you're paying referees you're um first aid you're this and that you know getting the oranges out everything and i th- i don't think my passion was there so i didn't want to kind of commit to that but i joined uh and helped out with a friend's team that he was running it was under nine's team and quite a few of them were kind of in and out of knowledge academy but just a great bunch of lads they all went to school together all played cricket together and i remember like Stu would always, always emphasize the importance of just having fun. And I remember then <clears throat> when we were setting up the pitch one time, you know, he's bringing out all these like cones and all these like marked out areas and that. And I, and I remember saying to him like, well, why are all these? And it, oh, this is where all the parents have to stand. And then I remember like talking to him and obviously it came up as well on the coaching course, like all these guidelines for parents of like where you have to stand, where you can be what you can and can't do, what the referee can now do. And I remember just thinking like, geez, I can't, I, you know, uh, my parents weren't the type that kind of came to games or anything. Every so often they'd come and watch, but like by no means were they ever shouting onto the pitch or anything. But then I remember like him saying, you know, our parents run onto the pitch. I mean, we've had a couple of occasions in, in high school where, you know, you can hear it. And I remember playing especially in basketball, you know, you'd always get the odd parent that would sit on the front and they'd have a clipboard or whatever else and shouting on. But, you know, that that for me is when you start to realise, one, it's positive that the FA and football is highlighting the fact that we need to move parents out of the way. But it's a great example, isn't it, of like how parents can just completely ruin the experience for some kids, um, whether it's your son or not as well. Um, because, uh, you know, you see those, you know, a tackle goes in and a parent's like shouting at the kid. He's like eight years old. He's put in a late tackle. He probably doesn't even know what he's done wrong. Like, you know, and again, it all just comes down to that positive experience. But um, yeah, I think uh, I think there's a lot to be learned about going on those courses. And I think once I, I did the level two, one thing that they tried to emphasize was if you're ever involved in organized sport um you should encourage not only the coaches but even some of the parents that are regulars coming down onto the teams to do their level one just to get an idea of like what you should and shouldn't do the importance of like encouraging and feedback and and i thought that was like a really positive thing to get out of it which i think was really good i'll give you an example of what we do at our club uh we produce a handbook at the start of every season 
and it's just got all, all the club information and stuff. And there's a page for the parents, so a code mm-hmm. of conduct for the parents that the parent has to sign. It's a page for the player that they have to sign, and there's a page for us as coaches that we sign to say, this is what we're going to do. So we do that as a club as standard anyway. But then what me and my coach do at the start of the season is we pull the parents in for a meeting and basically say, this is how we coach. This is what we expect. This is what we will provide. Have you got any questions? Talk for it all. And obviously nicely say, look, it's okay if what we're saying now is not what you want from a football team. Certainly where we live, Sheffield's got the biggest grassroots league in Europe. So there's thousands of teams that your son can play for or daughter. So it's that's okay as well. You don't have to only play for our team. It might be that mm. you, me and you are friends, but how we coach you, you don't like, or you might you might want to be a team where they, where they do only play for fun and play with, with absolutely any level of ability. You might want to be a team where they're challenging for for the league and they're only bothered about winning. That's fine. That's but that's up to that's sort of up to you. We'll do our bit. Do you, do you know what I mean? And that's sort of where we sort of try and manage expectations. My coach stopped training once because one of the one of the parents said something to he went, Come on, little little Johnny, do do this and he he blew his whistle, stopped training, pulled all parents in and went, No coaching from the sideline. If you hear that again, you, you can go inside or if you do it on a Sunday, your son will be stood on the sideline with me and when you ask him why, I'm going to tell him because you, he's been because you've been coaching him and it's not fair. Mm-hmm. It's not fair. Of course the of course the dad or the mum should take precedence. If he's, if he's there going, I don't know whether to listen to my coach or my dad, or, he's not thinking about his team then. And as a child, he should always choose his mom and dad. But if his mom yeah. and dad aren't always giving him the right information, then that's not that's not the right thing for the team as well. So then as a coach, you have to manage that as well. My, my, only, expe- my only experience from that was that when I refereed a game once when I was in PGC training at school, and I went in thinking, oh, it's chilled, it's, it's a school it's a school game. It's not, not like it affected my refereeing. But the amount of abuse I got from this one particular parent, honestly, like, like swearing at me as well, like in front of the school kids. And he even came to me towards the end of the game and like almost like started fighting with me. And I was like, just over, like, obviously I've, I've refereed that game to what I think is right. I might have made mistakes, I might not have made mistakes, but it was really hard to hold my tongue as well, like, because I'm in a school setting and I was around kids and had to set the example, but I was just like, man, that gave you real insight to to what that what must be like on a on a weekend and when even more parents are like that, you know. Yeah. So the example I was going to give was uh, I remember having a conversation with a parent a number of years ago, where we, as a grassroots team, as you can imagine, no money, we just train once a week, play once a week. All the coaches are volunteers, and the parent said to me, "I think we should train and train on another day." So I was like, oh, yeah, that'd be good, that. But to be honest, I've got another child and uh, I might not necessarily have the time. But if we can do it, we, we'll, we'll try and look at it. Yeah, yeah, I'll pay for it and all that kind of stuff. And I, I kind of like, I said to him, well, why do we want, why do you need another? I know why, because I'd love to coach kids as much as, as much as I can. But why do you in particular need us to have another training session? He says, well, I'd like, like him to be working on their technical ability as well as all the team stuff. So my response was kind of like, well, my son's got a decent first touch. He's not the quickest. He's not the strongest. He's got a decent first touch. He's got a very good technique when it comes to striking a ball. That has not come from him coming to our coaching sessions once a week. That's from back garden. That's from me taking him to the park. So I'm not doing another training session 
just so you don't just so you don't take your son to the park. You you do that. That's your job, kind of thing. I'm only there to provide your your child a, a safe and fun environment to play football. And it's that's one of a million things where, like we were saying earlier about parents, football's the only the only sports at the minute where you have got millions of experts who know more than the the referee and know more than than the coaches and. A lot of parents only see little Johnny as Ronaldo. So just mm-hmm. you see him and watch him and watch what he's done. And, well, the team hasn't done this for the be- for the benefit of little Johnny, but it might be that little Johnny's not done what's the benefit of the team. And if all you're going to do is focus on little Johnny, then little Johnny needs to go and play golf because then it is all about little Johnny. Whereas if you're part of the team sport, as much as we try to make it fun and inclusive and all that, it's ultimately about the team. The team comes before everything else. And I think that... That's what some parents fail to grasp sometimes. Poor Johnny. And the, yeah, poor Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, the skill thing just resonated with me there, though, because I was actually, like I was doing, I was covering Majid CCA today, and uh, uh, kids were doing basketball. Basketball is like my first sport. So if somebody if somebody told me like oh you're just going to do like loads and loads of layup practice you're going to do loads and loads of like jump shots set shots all of this i just love it like I, I genuinely would just love to like muck around and try like different types of layups this and and if my coach was like putting in different routes and putting like the dummies in so i had to go round them or getting getting it from a pass and that i, I mean i could do that a few hours or more like you know and I was kind of thinking today, like I was doing it for a little while at the start of the session, and I could, even some of the, the good ones, you know, you could start them, start to switch off a little bit, you know, like, and you know this from football, you know, when you're doing just like basic drills, if you love it, then you're, you, I mean, I could ping a football back and forth. I could just do that all day long, like just mucking around, trying to do different touches. Can I stop it? Can I do this? Whatever. But some people don't. So they love the games. And I think for me, like as a PE teacher, I'm not, I'm not training anybody to be professional. And I think to an extent, that's probably what we need to continue to do even with youth sport is it's not, you're not going to develop um, professionals in your like you as a volunteer doing some like hockey training on a Saturday morning or um, doing some tennis training or anything. You're not, you as an individual aren't going to suddenly create this insane athlete or sports star. It it has to be them and them doing extra after school, um, at home, doing everything that they can to replicate those like basic movements that they can all do. And and we've seen this at professional level, haven't we? In all the documentaries, everyone talks about Ronaldo, Beckham, even people like Gary Neville, who was not a good football player, but he just put in the hours he put in the work and i i just think one of the things for moving in the right direction is just moving moving away from that like kind of boring drill work and doing loads of like fun games but then the the side note to that is yeah if you want to become professional you've got to do a lot more of that stuff and i think that's that's the message if i'm right in saying so that's the message you're trying to get across to that parent like i'm not going to do two sessions a night, three sessions a week of like passing drills with your son that is not going to enjoy it, you know, or majority won't enjoy it. He should be just doing that against a wall or you should be passing him the ball each night or, 
you know, whatever else. But there's a problem with that, that I think that's the generational change now. What Lynn mentioned earlier is that um, we would have learned all of that in the park playing with our friends because it is about putting hours in and it's about learning that and you learn the right way. Like you missed a shot or I hit it wrong and then you'll try it again, you'll try it again and you get you actually spend time doing that. But like, I'll give you an example. My younger brother now is about 18, but I remember when he was like a lot younger, I used to kick him out of the house and say, get out and we live next to a park. You spend all time playing games, go out, you'll come back half an hour later saying there's no one out there, everyone's playing games at home. So that generation has changed now and that's that's the problem as well. That's one thing that worries me as a as a parent is that everything is focused on the parent. So it, it is now organised. It has to be organised. When does a parent actually go out? If they don't have the expertise to play football or play a sport, like we're, we're kind of lucky that we're PE teachers and we can do all of that. But if you don't have the expertise and don't know what you're doing, it has to be under-organised sport, doesn't it? And and then it then it, it has to fit around the parent schedule, and then that's not enough hours, is it really? And and then that's where that's where the, that there's that bit of a grey line, grey area. Sorry, not grey line. <clears throat> well, as a as a parent, obviously I'm a football coach, but as a parent of a football player as well, I've always said to to my son, I'll do my bit. Like Majid, you know, same as me, you used to have to get bus to any training session or any match that you went to, and it's not, it's not me having a go at, at my parents because my parents worked and did, my mum didn't drive, still doesn't drive. They, they couldn't always take me and I, and I understand that now as an adult but I've always said to, to them, I'll do my bit, you've got to do your bit. Like I, My older one when he was uh, training with Sheffield Wednesday, they had a game at St George's Park, you know where England train? Yeah. Where, where all the England team meet up and train and yeah they had a game there for Sheffield Wednesday and playing against Arsenal Liverpool Southampton just like a inter-club tournament stuff but it was on the same day of like one of my really oldest friends weddings so my missus had to find her own way to the wedding and I drove down to to Burton which is about nearly two nearly two hours away from Sheffield just to drop him off I didn't even get to see him play because my, my other friend who was whose son was in the same team as him, he brought him back for me. But I literally took him there, dropped him off, make sure he was all right, make sure he went in the changing room with his team. And then I went, drove straight back up to Barnsley for a wedding. I didn't even get to watch him. So I'm, I always say, I'll commit as much as I can, but if I can't make you be a better footballer. If you just want to play for fun, it's absolutely fine. It is absolutely fine. So I think there has to be some of that as well. And that's where you have some of the ownership has to fall with the player. But as parents, obviously, we 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 have to do our bit if that's possible. I was lucky enough that my job or the situation I was in at that point, I could, I can take time. But I work flexible hours, so I can take time out to take them to football and then log back on later on in the evening or work another day to make the time up or whatever. Not everybody's as flexible as me, so it, it's difficult. It, it is difficult when you're trying to put the onus on the on the parents. But at some point. The parents aren't going to be there. I can't kick the ball for my kids. They have to do it themselves. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I, they, they've, got to, they've got to take some ownership. I say to Lucas all the time, why don't you go and practice your kick-ups? Oh, all right, well, don't then. It's not. It's okay. It's, it's fine. But if you if you want to get better, you'll get better. If you don't want to get better, you won't. Yeah. I think there's a lot to be said about when you have to like ask them to do it, though, as well. Like, you know, if you're saying, like, Oh, are you gonna go out and, and practice? It's like, uh, yeah. Like, why are you not already out there? Like, you know, it's that thing of like, uh, you know, I I'd say the f- the first thing like I was over the moon when, you know, I I finally like circled 
the basketball hoop in the uh, Argos catalogue and eventually eventually got it. And, you know, I was just out there all the time. Um, and the ball is disintegrated, but you're still playing with it when it's all like, basketballs go all like furry, don't they, when all the leather comes off. You're just still playing. And, I mean, my 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 only thing, I lived out in the middle of nowhere, so I didn't have like, I remember Madge talking about when he was a kid and just being out, being able to go to the field, a local park or whatever, and having a load of mates there. I just used to be out there by myself, just shooting, shooting, shooting. But you still did, and that was that was part of it. Um, but you got to want to do it, and you got to, you know, you can't kind of say, oh, should I? Or, oh, my mum didn't drive me, so I'm not going to do it. It's like, well, that's down to you, isn't it? Yeah, I think that when you, when you said that, then I was just like kind of thinking maybe that's one of the reasons why I still play sport now is because there was no parent involvement from day one and it kind of you did it for the reasons why you did it like you did it for the fun of the sport and it still is like i play sport now and i still play like three four sports every week um mainly the sports i picked up as a kid but i also picked up sports on the way and the main reason i play is because one it keeps me active and i hate going to the gym and that is one way and i have the skills to play that sport so that's one way of staying active but the second the main reason i think is because i still feel like a kid playing it i think that's the memories that i have from playing it as a young kid is the reason why I play it now. It's just, it makes me, it gives me that bit of freedom. Um, Lane, I've got a question for you. Is there a particular reason why you coached your son's football, football team? Because you, if I remember rightly, you got into coaching because you start coaching your son's team. Is that right? Yeah, 100%. Uh, I did, I, I've only got a level one coaching as well. I, I've not, I've not done anything since we was at college together, Magic. Yeah. So however many moons ago that was. Uh I did a little bit of coaching when I first came out of college, but yeah, I weren't I weren't that bothered. I, I don't think I was particularly good at it. I didn't have the football knowledge that I have now. I didn't understand the game as well as I do now. Uh <clears throat> but it was just by chance, completely by chance. Basically my son was training with what they do now is they have like a because you can't play for an organized team until you're six at football. So what a lot of teams do now is create like a a five to six year old group of kids where they just train, they don't play any matches. And then basically every year that pool of players creates your six year olds team or your under sevens team. And he was playing with a team for for a lot for quite a while. Uh I won't say he was one of the best there, but he was good, he fit in and all that. And then when the lady come around asking for everybody's like details to send out the trial because although they trained together for a year, they still did a trial weekend as well, which is is what it is. But they didn't tell us when that was. And then it just so happened that that weekend, Lucas had said to me, oh, can can I go and train somewhere else with one of his school friends? So, of course, yeah, no problem. But the secretary had written my number down wrong. So when the manager had text that this weekend coming is going to be the trial weekend, I never got the text. So we didn't go. And then... I must have saw a couple of days later on like Facebook, some of the other parents, they did like a presentation and stuff and celebrated all the players that had been signed. So obviously I got on the phone to the manager and I was like, well, what's going on here then? Because he'd already come to me and said he wanted to sign him and all that. And he says, yeah, I, I, I phoned you, I've texted you. And I just assumed it was the wrong number kind of thing because I thought you wanted to train. So this was about a month before the season was supposed to start. So I was like, well, you haven't got a team now. So then a few of us got together and just said, oh, can we create like a little a, a team 
and we just sort of we were bundling kids from left, right, and centre. Just kids that had not even played football before. Just said, "Come on, just create the team." Just because we wanted our kids to play. But even at that point, I never, I didn't really want to coach. I didn't really have the time. Everyone always says that I haven't got the time. And and then one of our one of my friends, he said, "Yeah, I'll do it." He didn't have a kid in the team or anything. He said, "Yeah, I'll do it." He started doing it, and then but he's he can be quite disorganised. So like little things like ordering the kit or making sure all the information's together, you know, all the kids' information and parents' details, creating WhatsApp groups and all that kind of stuff that you just need just to keep the thing ticking over. He wasn't good with all that kind of stuff, so I just said, oh, yeah, I'll help you out. And then he said, well, you might as well actually help me out coaching as well because you know a bit about football. And then that was it. I actually realised then that once I started coaching there, that how much I actually loved football. Mm-hmm. Go on, pal. Is it is and what I'm interested in is there any part of you that's coaching your son because he's black? That's the first question, and the second question is, do you are you aware of your role in the community now as a black man as well? Uh, I'm not coaching him because he's black. No, he's that. No, uh, for a bit of meat on the bones is he does so many football activities because he's I'm, I'm him and his brother. I'm growing two black boys, so I'm keeping them all away from sort of the devil makes work for idle thumbs and it. So I'm keeping him, keeping him off the street, getting him into sort of a routine that most days after school they've got an activity to go to, whether it's football, whether it's martial arts, whatever they want to do and try, they can do. And that's more what I'm conscious about is in their group of friends who are predominantly, they've got a few, a few people, friends who are people of color, but predominantly white growing up in a white city a lot of the friends are white so i am conscious knowing that it's happened to myself is if something does happen on the shops at school they're going to be the first couple that are going to be pointed at and stuff like that i i understand all that so just to sort of caveat that or alleviate the concerns about that that's why i want them to do as many activities after school as they can Mm, Uh, and with regards to my role in the community yeah 100 i had a bit of an argument with uh the chairman of like one of the local Caribbean teams. It's been going since we were kids. You'll know which which team I'm on about, Majid. They've got a cricket team as well. Yeah. And uh, I used to play for their men's team and stuff like that. And then I think I saw him at a christening and he knew that I was coaching at, at Junior Blades and he was like, well, why don't you do it for the community? And I was like really taken aback thinking, what are you talking mm-hmm. about? And he's like, yeah, well, you, why don't you come and coach with us? But... I'm at one, I'm at the south side of Sheffield. They're the north side of Sheffield. It's a good forty-minute drive from Lower just to Eccesfield, and I was kind of like, "Well, where are coaches? Just round corner from from my house." It's like, "Yeah, but it's about the community." And then I like I said, "Hang on a minute," and I got my squad photo out and I showed him my team. And I think out of a team, when, especially in the first season, we had ten kids. I think three were white. We had one that was Pakistani, one that was Afghanistan, Afghani, one that was from Cameroon. Obviously, my mm. son, uh, another kid who's dad's Jamaican. And I'm like, how am I not doing it for the community? Just because I'm not doing it under your umbrella doesn't mean mm. that's not just the community. Community is the whole community. And so I think I, I am aware of it. And I am aware that as well. well we're talking about people saying things to referees when you was, you was doing a school team. I am aware that sometimes we can come across as being a little bit more aggressive 
So you do try to tone it down a bit. Although I'll always appeal for stuff. I'll always be a coach on the sideline talking a lot. But I, I am aware that you, you have to be that. I I can't always get away with some things that some of the white coaches in our league get, get away with. Although no one's really that bad, so I can't really grumble about anything. But I have got that subconscious in me where I think, yeah, I can't always... I couldn't be as aggressive as I know some coaches can be. Yeah, I mean... The only reason I ask that is because I have like ambitions to coach my my girls when they when they are old enough and um in in and the thing is I could potentially coach like two or three sports I I would feel comfortable in um that I've played in for a long time and I would only do that obviously if they wanted me to do it. I think from an early age um they won't have a choice but as obviously when they get older they will have a choice and the only reason I say that, and I think the main reason I would do it is to control the narrative a little bit. That's why I asked that question, because um, they're going to be brown and they're going to be girls. And we know how, how both of them separately are, are an issue and then collectively is going to be even more of an issue. So I think I know that that's something that with my skill set, I could definitely have a control over it. And it doesn't mean necessarily that my team is going to be the one that's the dark team or wherever, have more people. But it might just be that that might be the, the entry point for some parents to allow allow girls to play or whatever want to play because that that and also I'm, I'm coloured as well and um, there's not many coloured people in that those sort those sort of roles so I was kind of interested to see what you were saying but obviously that's there's a few years for that but that is what I'm thinking right now and that's the reason why I would do it at that stage. I know I know we're kind of going we're moving slightly away and we're kind of moving back to one of our topics which I really enjoyed that episode when we talked a lot about race and that but I do think we we brought up and Madge brought out some stats related to race more so it was one of your points Lane that you made related to Madge's question is do you find yourself having then conversations with the lads on your team um, about race related to how they act because something that something that uh, we talk about in schools, like a school term is, is a lot of this thing called like hidden curriculum, where it's like, obviously we teach a curriculum, that's in the textbook, but then like how we act, um, what our views are, all of those things that just come across in our day-to-day, like how we act with each other, like, you know, how me and Madge interact in the corridor or how I react with female staff, like that's all like the hidden stuff that the kids just see and pick up and a lot of people say that the kids pick up on that more than me teaching them about the heart or me teaching them about anything else. So do you find yourself also using your platform? Again, it's like that that idea of your platform in the community. Do you find yourself using that platform more um, in your position? Not to the team specifically. So little things like, for my kids, yeah, I will sit down and speak to them about race, and, and yeah. I think I mentioned this on the last podcast. So we're not not necessarily going to that, but yeah, I certainly have specific conversations about race with my children. But I think it's not necessarily my place because my beliefs on race and my beliefs on how to act and my beliefs on how to treat females, people of different religions and stuff, it might not be what they're used to in their household, but. Mm. What I tend, what I try to do, is be a person of color. That they, so if they do hear something, whether it's at home, at school, that I don't know, 
or black people are violent idiots or whatever. They're going to mm. go home and think, but hold on. Lane and Byron coach me. They're both black. And they've always got they've always got time for me. They're always nice to me. Yeah. If I need telling off, they'll tell me off. And as they get older, they'll appreciate that side of it. But it's more like leading by example. They're going to remember me more about how I treat treated them as individuals and as team rather than me giving them a, a speech about how you do or don't, how you do or don't. One thing we have got on our shirts, on the back of our shirts just above the number, is the Premier League badge that says no room for racism. So that's just uh, one uh, yeah. that, That's one angle of it. Uh, yeah. So that's a little bit of awareness just sort of there. We, it's never been a conversation. We've never even asked the parents if that's okay. We just said, this is what's going on. Didn't even tell them. That's that's shirt for the season. So yeah. I, th- I think... I think it is more about how, like you said, the the how you act with each other. Like I've got a, one of our players now; he's he's Muslim. So every Christmas, I always buy the the, the older players a, a selection box. So I said to his dad, "Am I okay?" Because obviously, it's going to have Santa on it and all that. So I had a conversation with his dad, and I says, "Look, am I right to give him this?" I says, "If you, if you don't want the box, I'll take the chocolate out and just give him a chocolate. It's not about." Christmas, it's not about that. It's about yeah. me as a coach saying it's a festive time for, for me and my culture, but mm-hmm. here's thanks for playing for my team. That's more what that's about. And and his his, his parents were happy to his parents are happy to uh to for him to have that. A lot of the times after home games we've got a, a pub nearby and the, the landlord puts chip butties on for free for the kids and stuff, as long as the parents go in drinking. Again that, that child will never come because there's a bar. His dad, his dad doesn't want to come because there's a bar. That's yeah. fine, but I won't sit. I won't like sit all the kids down and say, right, his beliefs and his family's beliefs and his religious beliefs mean he can't do this. But if a kid asks me, I'll tell them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do, do, does that make sense? Yeah, and I think to be honest, I think what you're doing though is a lot of that kind of hidden stuff because it is just like, like what you said. You've cr- you've created for that one. Say that one white kid in your team that then like goes home and his dad makes a comment. Um, and then you've created that positive role model in their eyes of a person of color that they then go, they question their dad and even just have a conversation. Like no doubt, like, you know, if your dad is like, you know, totally against race or religion or whatever else, it's like, yeah, that's, it's going to be a hard conversation being an, you know, a 10 year old or whatever your dad's saying one thing, but it still is something that you've like broken there. And, and like I said, I mean, that's that's what I talk about in terms of like that hidden curriculum, which you're doing. It doesn't have to be a, a sit down conversation because that's, that's false, I think, in a sense, isn't it? You know, it's like, this is how you should act. It's just by doing it. I think that's, yeah, that's a big I think, part of it. I think what Lynn kind of said there was that he is educating the kids. I don't think he kind of like explicitly said that, but I just I just think there's, there's something about us, like I'm talking about coloured people in this in this situation, is that if we've had experience playing sports, there's, there's things that we pick up on that other people want, right? So I'll give you an example, like when I was 16, I remember like after the game of the game that we won, that we, these kids and the coach nearly like jumped us um, just because we beat them and it got reported to FA. The other one was, I remember like again, under 18s, I think I played for a men's team 
Um, and a similar thing happened there actually during the game and it was quite threatening towards the end. And it's like little things like that where you notice before a game or after a game or even during a game where you can kind of preempt things. Like you could come in and you could just pick up things that this game is going to be a bit dodgy, this game is going to be more about football. And then it's about having those conversations with the kids and helping them deal with it because that's a life lesson as well. It's like next time you're in this situation, you know what to do. And and a prime example is that when England went out in the World Cup, um, Euro, sorry, the final, and uh, those uh, three lads, I think it was Saka, Rashford and... Was it Sancho? Sancho. Sancho. As yeah. soon as they missed it, I didn't think about them getting out. Oh, it's England missing penalties. I straight away knew they're going to get picked on because they're black. I knew it straight mm. away. As soon as they missed it, it's the first thing I noticed. And that is probably because we are in that situation and we know that. And I think that's where we have a have a bigger role to play. And that's why, again, Lane, I think me being in that situation with my daughters, um, because I can see that and I know that and that's basically my area is that I think that I can kind of help them navigate life through sport and hopefully protect them a little bit but also learn from it as well and that doesn't necessarily just mean my daughters that means everyone around us as well you know I think there's a lot to be said about then you know if we if we're thinking back to this question about is it moving in the right direction it's also about you know uh, what can we do and what can everybody else do to help push it in the right direction? Because I think one thing that we've addressed today is there's a, a very much like a top 1% that are the elite. And then there's probably, you know, a 10 or 20% that are, you know, working towards that, like academies, maybe not even that much. The rest of them is, is what we have to affect. And, you know, I've said this even recently, like, you know, competition, um, sport in general is for the minority but like general just PE and being active and healthy that's like everybody should be encouraged to do that and I was I'm always still quite shocked at like it's 30 minutes a day you should be active like for me that just sounds so basic like and when they talk about activity levels I remember at uni to be active is like basically a brisk walk I mean it's like it's not much that we're we're kind of trying to do and I think if schools are struggling to do that there's there's a serious issue I think kids should be active you know uh, as a minimum so um, you know yeah I think we're moving hopefully we're moving in the right direction but there's definitely a lot of things now that are now up against kids being active just um, out of like fun you know not organized sports there's a lot of things now barriers that are are stopping and I think everything it everything is quite organized I think. I think one thing we've got to do is, at the minute, and because it's new, I think this is why we do it, but it's like, I think you touched on it earlier, Imagine you were talking about your brother, is kids can either play on the Xbox or go outside. And I think we need to sort of embrace both because the world's going down that technological path. So if, if we don't give them enough screen time, they're not they could be left behind in later years but the flip mm-hmm. side for the sheer health benefit they have to be doing some sort of exercise have to whether it's like you say going for walks riding the bike having a game of football practicing i don't know the cricket throw or whatever it is just something that's going to get their heart rate up they need to be doing that quite regularly and i, I always say I, I don't when i go for a run because of my overall lifestyle chances are I'm not going to lose that much weight but that 
30 to 60 minutes that I'm out there on my own, either listening to your guys' podcast or some music or whatever, it's so good for your mental health. Do you know what I mean? And I just think it is it's really it's really important that we instill that as as in the children as the younger because it's good it's it's so hard to bend a tree as it's bigger. You've got to do it when it's younger. It's easier to, to bend it straight when it's young when it's younger because then it's gonna grow straight. But if you try it when it's older, only incredible Hulk can do that. We've got tree surgery. Do you like my, do you like my <laughs> No no no, it's a Jamaican proverb. Is it? I really, I, that proper took me off guard that I, I really like took that in and thought that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I wanna add one more thing to it. This kind of basically answering that question again about whether it is heading in the right direction from from what Lena said it does seem like there's more opportunities um in 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 organized sport um but there's still a lot of problems i think this is a new problem because i i never remember this being a problem when i was younger and that's probably because i didn't play that much youth sport but and parents weren't involved that much but i think one of the things that we never got time to mention i'll just quickly mention it we don't have long left is that word Joe's favorite word physical literacy and I think that's the way we move into right direction is because if I define right direction still as I want you to be able to play sport if you want that as an op- option when you're older and you continue it I think too many people specialize in one sport and I think if you can try to play lots of sports so I always always had from a young age I had a winter sport and a summer sport and that's how I got my cricket and football in and then I had tie boxing that went throughout the year and I think being able to play lots of different sports is more transferable. And one of the things I picked up tennis three, four years ago, and the only reason I picked up tennis was because of my sport from a younger, younger age. And I think that, 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 and a lot of people don't want to go to the gym. I think, I think more people don't like going to the gym, but have to, because they need to do some physical activity somewhere, but they don't have the confidence to go and pick up something from scratch again. So I think when you're younger, that is that and, and again it has to come from parents now because they don't really go and play in the park anymore so it's about trying to make sure they have a variety of skills ready for them to and then i think that's when we'd get an increase um in sport when they when they get a bit older because they've got more options there for sure for sure i think it's all about variety just trying everything because uh, i think a lot of us, I mean, definitely me and you, Madge, like, I haven't got any issue going and trying a new sport just because I feel like I will, I'll, I'll pick it up to some extent, you know? So it's, uh, yeah, it's what it's all about for sure. Quick five questions to finish, Madge. Let's go. All right. Um, so, Lane, quick five questions just to finish off today. Um, what's the favorite place? Out of all the places you've ever travelled to and why? Jamaica. Uh, just simply, it helped me understand where my family was coming from. And I know Magic touched on it on last podcast. I've, I've had issues with my dad growing up, but it helps me understand certainly where he's come from and the sort of things he's been through, which was why he had certain outlooks on life. So I just think it was very enriching for me as a person. I really hope that this is not the Jamaican proverb, proverb again, but what's the best piece of advice you've been given? <laughs> if you're going to do a job, do it properly or do it well. Nice. Um, and final one for me is tell us one thing that's still on your bucket list. Cooking magic Jamaican food. Done. <laughs> that's your bucket list. <laughs> <laughs> Should be on yours mate, as well. 
I told you when you co- when you come back, I've, I'm I'm ready for you. Don't worry. Uh, bucket list probably be funny enough linked into question one. Take take my kids to Jamaica to show them. Oh yeah, nice. Where the family came from, because my dad lives out there now as well, so we could go and see him for a few days or whatever. So that yeah, that's, that's certainly up there. Or come to Malaysia to see Majid. Yeah, hopefully soon. Here we go. Yeah. Hopefully. Could do this. We could do this live. It could be a special. Could podcast we can host. Special. Yeah, and then yeah. we can call him we a friend host. of the pod because he's actually travelled all. Oh, that's that's <laughs> minimum requirement. Is that it? Yeah. Yeah. A, a live, a live, uh, a live one. Yeah, that's, a live uh, session, that's next man. level. Uh, Lane, thank you. Definitely have to pay for Zoom then. <laughs> <laughs> What are you on about? We always pay for Zoom. <clears throat> uh, Lane, thanks so much again for uh, joining us on the podcast. It's been another good one. No worries, guys. Thank you for having me on. Definitely. I mean, your next season, we've got an, got an episode ready for you. I'll let you okay. know about it in a bit. Sounds good. <laughs> yeah. All right. Cool, man. Cheers, thanks guys. Have a good one. Take yeah. care. See you later. Hi, guys. Thanks for listening. If you like the podcast, go ahead and subscribe. Share it with someone if you think they might enjoy it or if they might learn something new. If you have any comments or would like to join us on an episode, email us at youchattoomuch at gmail.com.